Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Righteous Prick Podcast. I'm your host, J.L. Covan. It is 9.14 a.m. Eastern on March 19th in the year of our Lord, 2023. I am under the weather because I am physically and mentally crumbling. I'm not sure if it is the pressure of, of the eighth hour that I'm recording in 13 days, but it certainly could be because I consulted the Righteous Girlfriend uh, this morning while I was eating breakfast, and uh, she seems to recall that I tend to get sick uh, before, you know, she's now, this will be the, f she was with me for Israeli tortoise thoughts and prayers and the crime against humanity known as half blackface. So this is her fourth hour and fifth taping that she will be, uh, present for. And apparently in her memory, I tend to get sick, uh, before each one because, um, I've always had trouble sleeping. I've, I haven't always had trouble sleeping for the last decade. I've, I've been a bad sleeper. But what usually happens is I get exhausted, and then by like the fourth night, I just conk out for seven and a half hours, and that sort of recharges me and stops me from getting sick and sort of being susceptible and compromised to, to, to attract illness. But that hasn't happened this time. Um, I, I took melatonin last night and, and couldn't even really fall asleep. I had to take a hot shower at like 1 a.m. just to like – it, it, it's, it's, it's really bad um, right now. Um, on top of obviously my shoulder just being a constant source of discomfort and you know we're past two months since the second surgery and and my shoulder is the half black face of shoulder surgeries it's it's really there is a brand there the brand is strong folks the brand is strong speaking of jinxiness princeton is in the sweet 16 now i perform in princeton on saturday the 25th now if you're wondering if you should bet on Princeton to win in the Sweet 16 to make it to the Elite Eight, just look to see if if they make the Elite Eight, will their game in will Princeton's game conflict with my show in Princeton? Because that would obviously that would obviously lead to worse ticket sales and worse attendance. So if Princeton plays Saturday night, if they make the Elite Eight for a chance to go to the Final Four, bet the house on them winning in the sweet 16 because if it means fucking over even just a a small show on my schedule the gods of comedy will will come through so uh just check your local listings for when princeton's hypothetical elite eight matchup would be and if it's saturday at eight fifteen p.m well then you better bet you better bet for them on thursday's game anywho but i feel like shit um, it's just, it's a lot of, it's a lot of pressure and because I can't quite stamp out the, the, the feeling of, yeah, but if, if half blackface gets some good publicity and then person of height is as good as I believe it's going to be, Hey, maybe something will happen. And I, I, I intellectually, mentally, I know that's not true, but my gut, my heart keeps fighting for like, yeah, but if it's good enough, if, if it really fucking crushes, if it's better than what's out there, if it's unique enough, if it's just, then, you know, yeah, then, then, then it'll, it'll do, it'll, it'll, it'll make it, it'll make it. And, you, and that's, it's that optimism that creates this intense, debilitating stress. So I'm sick, I can't sleep. Um, and I got 13 days as of this recording until my eighth hour. And then I got to, I got to take some time off from comedy. Like I told, I told the righteous girlfriend that April 2nd is like a real big day for me because all I want to do is I'm a zoom, zoom, zoom and a boom, boom and rest. Like I just want to rest that day, eat a healthy breakfast, maybe get back into bed and read 
take a nap, go for a walk if it's sunny, get some vitamin D, and like just hopefully this stress like goes away to a certain extent because it's just it's it's like debilitating at this point you know um and i'm doing this podcast i was gonna wait until i'm i'm in dc tonight i was gonna wait till after the show and do the podcast um just so i could recap it but i think um i've my job which basically for the last six months it's been extremely slow at the firm which which as the big law firms go, so go the economy sometimes. So that was like, I think a lot of places were holding off on major action and deals and things like that because of fears of a recession. But for whatever reason, business is starting to pick back up. Um, you know, for about six months, I've been sitting at my desk like like a homicide detective in the safest neighborhood in the country, just waiting for calls and emails that never come. So I've just been reading books and making jokes to my coworkers. Um, but now work has had the audacity to give me work at work. So the weekdays will be a little busier now. So I figured, well, let me get this out of the way before I do this month's book review for the Patreon. By the way, if you're interested, which I know you're not, uh, patreon.com slash J-L-C-A-U-V-I-N for all that bonus content. But there's like already in a year, there's uh, 30 bonus episodes of the podcast. There's a dozen book review shows. Um multiple exclusive videos including Mike Pence Mike Pence gaming series and the Mitch McConnell cooking series so if you like what I do you know there's there's plenty there um I got reprimanded by a fan this week um on YouTube uh, I put fan in massive air quotes um because they're sort of an entitled YouTube subscriber and I I do appreciate that because YouTube views pay unlike Twitter Twitter views um, it would have been nice to get to like 100k YouTube uh, YouTube subscribers because it's just the same thing except you're not relying your those views pay me and you're not relying on the Twitter algorithm which has fucked me like like nobody's business. Um, but this person uh, I posted a video for making podcasts great again my Trump podcast. We got a new sponsor FanDuel the ga- sport the gambling website and uh, you know. If gambling isn't your thing, if you think it's bad or it's a bad, I, I respect that. I do, but I don't. I'm fine with sports gambling. I do it. I've used FanDuel. So, like, to me, that's not a sponsorship that I consider selling out. It's more like, uh, no, I, I do this. So, um, why wouldn't I take money for a thing I already do? You know, if I was somebody on this podcast going, uh, sports gambling is, is harmful and, and I don't partake in it. And then I'm doing a gambling sponsorship. That's selling out. That's that's hypocritical and you know not living your values. But I'm fine with it. So it's it isn't selling out. Um, but this person was like, I hope you're not. Sh- I don't get the reference, but I hope you're not shilling for that website. And I just was like, um, if you, as a fan of my impressions, the fact that you don't listen to the free podcast featuring my impressions, kind of clearly indicates the, 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 the low level of, of fan that you are. And I don't need your pathetic, I think I referred to them as pathetic moral pronouncements. I kept it real highbrow, like I was like going with more like an Oscar Wilde sort of scorching of this guy. I called him either disingenuous or dim. I wanted to not be like, you're stupid, you're a fucking asshole. I wanted to keep it highbrow. Um, but it's 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 a fascinating thing to be lectured by fans who do like the bare minimum to like it's a very weird entitled world we're in 
where it's like I'm pumping out specials and podcasts and videos and like you do the bare minimum and then deign to lecture me on, on what I should and shouldn't do. And don't get me wrong, if if I was doing, you know, I, I, I try not to, I try to sort of live my values as best I can. Um, I remember there was a time where I was asked to do a Trump at the DC Improv for, for like a, it wasn't Planned Parenthood, but it was like some, some abortion, pro-abort, you know, pro-abortion sort of comedy show. And I just wrote to them, I was like, thanks for the invite, but I'm not, I'm not comfortable with that. It's, it's not, it's not that, you know, I don't deep down sort of politically support what you're doing because I understand it, but it's a bridge too far for me personally to just be like, I'm on a show with eight women telling their abortion stories and it's funny and it's empowering. And here's Trump to like, foil, be the foil. For, I was just like, it ain't, it, it, it's, it's not that you can't have abortion jokes, but like, it's too real for me. So I was like, no, I can't, like, I'm not taking a payday for this. It's, and it's not that I'm sitting here going, as a Christian, my beliefs don't allow me to do this. Like, it was just a sort of, yeah, I can't, I'm not comfortable with, with the tone, like being part of, and, and whatever other people, I'm sure they got somebody else to do it. And it's, I no judgment on them. Like I said, it's your, it's just don't violate your personal values. So like I said, sports gambling is like not part of my values where I'm like, no, absolutely not. I can't partake in that. So, but once again, it's always good to be lecture. Like, like I can't get fans to buy tickets, but I can get them to lecture me on my own ethics, which is just, it's, I think that's the worst place to be in comedy. They don't buy tickets, but they, um, they criticize me for my moral, for their perceived, um, for my perceived moral failings. So that sucks. Um, you know, so now I am, I'm, you know, posting videos. Uh, I posted a video, um, which is what got this person's attention, promoting uh, our fan duel uh, partnership with the podcast. Um, Would have been nice if, you know, other people involved in the podcast had shared that video. But once again, it's, uh, I've, I've let things go too far to... Uh, to sort of complain now, because now what happens with me sometimes is I build up such deep, righteous resentments that then the only way for me to express them is to explode like a volcano. So instead, I just keep them to myself because I go, I'd let it go too far to where, you know, only, only a complete aggressive condemnation of, of the, of the, of, of what's going on will, will suit me emotionally. But then I know that that's too far. Um, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, LeBron James pointing at J.R. Smith meme, for those of you who, who remember that from the finals several years ago. Anyway, guys, I got a couple shows coming up. I'm in D.C. tonight. Probably too late if you're hearing this. You should already have your tickets. Um, uh, it'll be an interesting crowd because I know the Righteous Girlfriend's friends will be there. I know the Righteous Girlfriend's cousins will be there. Um, a few friends from law school and otherwise will be there. And I think probably a handful of fans, um, which is just, I don't know. It's just, it's, it is what it is. Um, but that's basically what I just said to you is basically if I was doing the DC improv in 2018, that's the exact composition I'd be reporting to you. It's like, Oh, that was a, thanks to my girlfriend's friends and family for showing up to the show. It would have been a real shithole empty club if, if they didn't show up and it's like 
I'm still at friends and family. I'm like a fucking cell phone. My career is like a cell phone plan. It's like I'm still at the friends and family stage of trying to draw an audience. So um, then we're in Philly Friday at City Winery. So I, I hope uh, anybody who's in the Philadelphia area gets tickets to that uh, Saturday. Catch a Rising Star in Princeton. Now, Princeton is... Uh, I can't, I already deleted one episode of this, so I forget if I already said this. I don't think I did. I'm very sleepy. I, I, I insomnia is, is, is really fucking with my head, unfortunately. Um, but they, uh, Princeton's in the Sweet 16 in the, in the March Madness tournament. And if you want to know whether to bet on them to make it to the Elite Eight, just look to see if, if they're, hypothetical elite eight game would take place during my show in Princeton because obviously if Princeton is playing with a chance to make the final four Princeton is probably not coming to my show Saturday night so if Princeton's elite eight matchup is going to be scheduled for like at 7 50 p.m Saturday bet the farm on them to make the elite eight because the JL Jinx can be a powerful ally to an Ivy League school trying to make uh, the Elite Eight. So if it means me having an empty showroom, then bet the, bet the farm on Princeton making it to the Elite Eight on Thursday. Bet on them Thursday if their game is going to fuck me over Saturday. That's just it's gambling corner. Brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel. JL likes them, but his worst fans think it's a moral failing. FanDuel. Um... FanDuel.com slash Boston. If you're a Boston listener, message. If you're a Massachusetts listener and you want to bet on some stuff and get a, a sick bonus, by the way, just go to FanDuel.com slash Boston. Um, seriously. Yeah, there. Look, I just made them an unofficial sponsor of the Righteous Brick Podcast, so I'm sorry. I, I, I'm going to lose three to five fans for that move. Um, <clears throat> a couple of reviews. Um, RRR on Netflix. I gave it another try and enjoyed it much more with uh, watching it with The Righteous Girlfriend and Creed 3. So I'll review those towards the end of the show, which should be coming up soon because I'm falling asleep and feel terrible. And I have to do book reviews for my Patreon. Oh, did I mention I have a Patreon? Patreon.com slash JLCovan. Lots of keen taint there. Um, it's good. It's, but whatever. Um, and I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself. I legitimately don't know what I've said in the last 15 minutes um, because I deleted an episode um, right before this that I just was like rambling. And, and I'm rambling now, but it was more rambling. Um, <sighs> sorry, I just don't. I, I feel like shit right now. Um, and I don't even mean that in my usual righteous prick upset about comedy. I like physically. It's it's in it's taken over physically. Um I wish I could cancel my gig in um, D.C., but there's going to be 47 people who came out to see me, and I can't disappoint them. So that's why we do what we do for the fans. And by fans, I mean eight of you plus my girlfriend's friends and relatives. <laughs> so um, Lance Reddick died at 60. That, was, that depressed the shit out of me. Um, he was Lieutenant Daniels. Bush it up. Uh, that's how he, when he found out McNulty, McNulty, that's when he found out McNulty's nickname was Bushy Top. I just remember him looking at him going, Bushy Top. <laughs> um, but he was, uh, as I've said before on this podcast, he was, he was, he was in the hall, the secretly jacked hall of fame. 
along with let's just maybe we should we should name, he's in two hall of fames he's in best chests on hbo hall of fame uh he's part of the big three with uh, and alexandria daddario sydney sydney sweeney uh alexander daddario true detective sydney sweeney euphoria and both of them are on the white lotus but you know i'm naming the programs that made their chests famous and lance reddick the wire the, that is the top three chests that have ever been on HBO. And I think he once liked a tweet of mine where I referenced it. Um, but he had the, like he had the kind of pecs where he worked out, but he also was probably just like by the time he was like 17, just had fucking pecs. Like the type of dude, like calves almost, where it's like he obviously kept in shape, but like he had the kind of pecs. Like he had Michael B. Jordan on roids in Creed films, pecs. But without the roids, just like it looked like he just had the natural pecs. But he was a really good actor. He was in a lot of stuff. He was in corporate. Um, he was in fringe. Of the things I've watched, corporate, fringe, American Horror Story, uh, The Wire being the most significant, and the John Wick film franchise. And yes, he was in other stuff too. So feel free to tack that on in the comment. Um, but 60. I, I, they haven't revealed cause of death as far as I've seen yet. But like, you, th you see a guy fit. 60 years old and like you know you look on his fucking twitter like a few days ago and he's posting like a video and he, it's it's whew, it is it is a reminder that that life is fleeting um i don't think anybody's gonna be surprised when i die early they're just gonna be like well yeah he was like in a horrible mood all the time getting sick due to stress he was six seven his weight was constantly fluctuating because he stress ate um but it really went all downhill he had re he'd really gotten fit for his special taping. And then he went out west for a three-week vacation. I only put on three pounds in three weeks on vacation because I was doing a lot of walking and working out while also eating fun food and traveling. And it really was, I think, and I hate to blame, I hate to admit to sort of mental weakness, but it was... You know, the knee surgery, you know, put me on the shelf for a couple of months in terms of continuing my full mobility. But I think it was the special taping fucking up because I had so much invested in half blackface. And I, I don't think I've like recovered. And then it was late that summer of 2022 that I fucked up my shoulder, which didn't really stop me from going to the gym. It limited me a little bit in the gym, but didn't stop me. But it, but that led us to the shoulder surgeries. Um, so yeah, I, I think half blackface, it's been over, it's now been a year and a month since, wow, it's been 13 months since I was told we have to reshoot it. That, that was like the worst, I think that was the worst day in my comedy career ever. And there've been a lot of uh, bad days, but I think that was in hindsight, that was the worst because it has had such a bad effect on me personally and professionally. Um... But I think I'll have some news about it soon. Um, it probably won't be the news. It almost certainly won't be the news that I want it to be. But it'll be some news. And, and you guys will be able to see it at some point. So, yay. <laughs> um, but Lance Reddick. Uh, yes, so I was going to say, um, uh, secretly jacked Hall of Fame. Like Groundskeeper Willie from Simpsons. Steve Gutenberg, go look up Police Academy. He's just in a towel in one scene. You're like, wow, that guy's like jacked. What the fuck? I didn't know Steve Gutenberg was jacked. Like Steve Gutenberg, if he wasn't the king of 80s film comedies, he could have been like, like 
doing some action comedies. He never really did any action comedies, but he was he was like he was like swimmer jacked. And then Lance Reddick, bush it up, Lance Reddick, just in a scene. And I was I I said this years ago, but I'm convinced his agent was just like, yeah, we need him just having a random scene. So he's with his prosecutor girlfriend, and he's just like walking in his house, and he, it's just a quick shot. But you were just like, oh, I thought he was just like like kind of I do yoga and and like jogging so I'm lean but he was jack he's just walking around like his boxer shorts and you're like yo Lance Reddick is jacked as fuck um and he was and it's 60 years old is is like it's scary because you're just like I I don't know he seemed he, he, he looked healthy he was obviously successful family man like he had all the things other than being a black man in America, he had all the uh, hallmarks of like a successful, health, physically healthy uh, family, all the things that would make you believe like, yeah, he's going to live till he's 94, 94. I'm sorry, I almost said 95 and that would have been way too old, but 94. Um, so RIP uh, to, to Lance Reddick, who, who once liked a tweet of mine. He's a member of both the Secretly Jacked Hall of Fame and the best chests in HBO history Hall of Fame. Um, and I hope, I hope Sidney Sweeney and Alexander Daddario are somewhere um, taking off their bras and saluting Lance Reddick, a, a, a chest king. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry to make jokes. Like it is, it was, it was very shocking and, and sad as somebody who's been, he's been in a lot of stuff I like. And most importantly, like I said, he liked a tweet of mine. Um, before I was famous, guys, because you know how well fame has worked out for me. Anywho, let's talk about these movies and get the fuck out of here, shall we? Um, RRR, or as I like to call it, Err, a movie I thought was going to be about pirates, but in fact was about two jacked Indian men um, who would come together to who were who fighting for independence. Um, it's a weird movie. And, I, you know, as the Righteous Girlfriend was informing me, she's like, I think this is just the Bollywood style. Because I did say at one point, and pardon me if I give offense, but I said, are, are Indian people who watch movies stupid? Because the style is like everything is spelled out and the songs are hilarious. The songs are just usually like movie music. It's like, oh, OK, we need you to compose a score for this scene. So you watch the scene and it's like dun 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 and you're like okay or for a song it's like here's what the movie's about. Now can you do a song with taking in the general themes. But Indian movies as and I've I'm speaking in generalities. I've seen exactly one er um or as Cardi B would call it um I'm watching this movie and I'm like the songs are like he's running through the jungle he has to decide is he going to make a left turn or right? Now he's fleeing the tiger and it's very ferocious. But will he make it? Only time will tell. And I'm like, are they just narrating the song, the movie? That's a weird song. That's like, that's like what, that's like a tenacious D joke is like narrating the movie in song form. And then it's very funny because there was a this actor, the actor who plays like the main British villain. It's a colonization movie. The main actor, he was in uh, Rome 
and you'd recognize him maybe um i want to say is i forget his name is it like roy ray winstone it might be but he was in rome on hbo i think he was in like a failed version of the punisher i think all except the john bernthal all, all except the john bernthal versions i think have failed but like i've seen him in regular things and it's clearly a directing style choice where the sa- the way they talk it's almost like i'm like are the indian people making fun of white people with the way they talk it's like you have to get over here you filthy animal hey like they almost sound dubbed but they're not like it's almost like speak like you're dubbed get out of here you filthy nope not dubbed enough get out of here filthy animal i don't like you at all like except they're not dubbed but they're like you know those kung fu movies where they dub speak like that british man it'll make you more obviously evil But, um, and the music is very, it's like, every time you're like, oh, that's like, before I could just say, oh, that's the guy, the music would be like, like telling me exactly what to think. Now that said, on second viewing, it was enjoyable. It's a big, messy epic with, but it was, it was sort of like, I'm glad I gave it another shot. And I feel like it was a good movie to watch with someone else to kind of enjoy Rather than like pick apart and be like, if you sit watching a movie by yourself, you can, I think, sometimes lean into like, well, that wouldn't happen or this is weird. Or this, but if you're kind of enjoying it in someone else's company for its goodness and its ridiculousness, then, then so, so I'm glad I watched it again. It was long. It's three hours and five minutes. But and the Bollywood thing with the music at the end that has like nothing to do with anything is. But I think that's like when a comic ends their bit, ends their set with like a musical bit. Because it's just guaranteed to leave the crowd happy. It feels almost like that. Like this has nothing to do with the rest of your set or film. But like let's just play some music and do like a silly dance or something. And the crowd will be like, Whoa, we loved it. And I, 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 I hate that as you can imagine with all my soul. Um, if you can't win them over with your fucking words, then get on Broadway and do musical theater. That's what I say. Anywho. Arr, arr, oh, I, sorry, Cardi B. Arr, I, I don't. No, that's not really. Oh, crr, there. Oh, kind of. I'm doing more tongue and less like side of the mouth. I don't think I'm doing an authentic Cardi B, but you get it. I'm making a joke about er. So R R R. Um, you know, some people I've seen have it as like their best movie of the year. I think that's a, a completely absurd. But uh, but I enjoyed it. I'm glad I gave it another chance. It's you know, it's from a different culture. It's a different style where apparently moviegoers are dumb as shit. But but I still liked it. So there. Uh, I offer that as an olive branch to all the Indian people I've offended by calling you dumb for needing movies to spell everything out. He is doing a podcast, but has he offended Indian people? Only time will tell. He will have to upload the podcast, and then he's going to see what the reaction is. Some may like it, some may not. We will find out in the next scene with another song explaining how people are reacting. Um... Anyway, that's my take on uh, And now, Creed 3, or as I like to call it, Of Mice and Creed. Because Jonathan Majors, for the first half hour of the movie, I'm like, wow, he's really good at looking sad. He looks so sad. And then by the end of the movie, I was like, why is Adonis Creed beating up that jacked special needs man? Because there's something about the every every film critic is like Jonathan Majors is very emotionally powerful like you feel his pain when you see him he has such a an emotive face and you feel he has this this tenderness to his look and i go he looks like like he's a little special 
if I can be completely honest, because he always, except when he was like inexplicably like super arrogant and vicious in the movie, most of the time he has this look where it's like, I don't think he's all there. I don't think he should have gone to prison for 18 years because I think a good defense attorney would have been like, my client has a low IQ and doesn't understand everything. That's the vibe I get from his quote unquote sad acting. Um, it worked in the first half hour. I was like, he seems kind of traumatized from prison. He seems, okay, just to, to recap it, if you haven't, and, and I would skip ahead. Probably just, I'm going to end the episode basically with this. So uh, you can skip ahead like 10 minutes if you don't want spoilers. But basically, I think this was, the, I enjoyed this movie, but I think it is by far the worst of the Creed films, by far. Like I thought Creed 1 was really good. And I thought Creed 2 was, was like, in some ways better. Um, and I had a beef with the Creeds because in Creed 1, he's a light heavyweight. And everybody he's fighting is a light heavyweight. Okay? Everybody. The guy, pretty pretty Ricky uh, Conlon, light heavyweight champ. Uh, Andre Ward, who I forget the name of the guy he plays in the movie, but he's a real boxer, light heavyweight. So everybody in Creed 1 is a light heavyweight. Then we cut to the beginning of Creed 2, and he's going for the heavyweight championship of the world, but he's going against the, the character played by Andre Ward, who in the movie is like 33-0. and 0. So you don't usually go 33-0 and 0 as the light heavyweight champ and then just go, I want to go be the heavyweight champ. And how did you become heavyweight champ if you have the same number of wins as you did in Creed 1? You didn't beat a series of heavyweights to get the heavyweight championship of the world. So they just do this sleight of hand to make him the, to make Creed the heavyweight champion of the world in Creed two with no explanation. They assume we're all dumb. Um, they could have used maybe some, some Bollywood songs like he used to be a light heavyweight. Then he gained some more weight. Now he's fighting a man who also gained more weight to become a heavyweight. Now he's going for the heavyweight crown. Now it all makes sense. Enjoy the show. And he he wins the title in Creed Two, and and I thought the Dolph Lundgren the Drago storyline was fantastic in Creed Two. After watching it again, it, it was great. Um, that guy was is so fucking big and jacked and scary. The guy who plays um, whatever his son's name is, uh, Igor Drago. I don't know. I'm just saying a Russian name, but it's Ivan Drago, and then like baby, we'll call him Baby Drago. <laughs> um, so he. Uh, that's I, Creed two, Creed one and two are both excellent. Um, after doing a rewatch, I own Creed one. I feel like I want to own Creed two now, but Creed three will never join uh, the ranks of the ownership. Even though I thought the movie was like fun and like solid, it was a solid movie going experience. But like on the finer points of writing and directing and things, it's Michael B. Jordan's directorial debut. He t he tried to do a little bit of flair and whatnot, and and I thought it was unnecessary some of the some of the stuff he did, but. The real problem with the movie, I thought, is the script is weaker. It's just a weaker movie than Creed 1 and 2. And I think when you have a filmmaker like Ryan Coogler and, a, and an experienced writer who knows the Rocky series like Sylvester Stallone likes taking a step back, you're losing a lot of talent behind the camera there. Um, but Jonathan Majors is like a friend of his that you know went to jail for 18 years and he was like a championship level young boxer. So the idea is that Adonis Creed has basically kind of lived the life he might have had had he not gone to jail and that Adonis Creed like didn't didn't keep up with him out of you know kind of like left him behind. So it, it it was he has this justification to be sort of upset and angry, but he but he comes off as very like kind of broken early on but he clearly also has a plan and he wants to be heavyweight champ of the world and 
I just felt like the movie did a lot of things where it was like, hey, you know, movies, sports movies like to give you lessons and tricks that like the person will have to use later on. So like in the first part of the film, Adonis is saying to his daughter or whatever, it's like, and to other people, like it's fighting isn't just about strength. It's about timing. And like, and you're thinking there's going to be like, oh, he's going to apply that later. But there's no like, I, I felt like the movie was just like, it's going to be the most successful Creed film, but it, it's really the worst of them um, because the other two were so tight other than the light heavyweight heavyweight thing. And at the end of the movie, they do say, uh, they do mention that he was a light heavyweight and heavyweight champ. So they clearly anticipated a little bit of the complaints from from critical pieces of shit like me. But I just thought it was it was it was it like took its time in parts where it maybe didn't need to take its time and then rushed other things. And in the fight, spoiler, spoiler, at the end of the fight, it goes like 12 rounds. And then his manager, Creed's manager, is just like, you got to fight now. You got to stop boxing. You got to fight. And then he just like knocks him out. And it's like, not that you might not have been today. It just felt very cliche filled. And there was a lot more potential with this movie. And it felt like, it just felt like, Somebody, you know, competent people made, wrote and made the movie. Michael B. Jordan directed and whoever wrote it. But it felt like it needed better hands. Maybe even gifted hands like Ben Carson. But it needed better hand, like to make it, because the first two creeds, just having watched all three of them in the last week now, the first two creeds are just so clearly better overall movies, both from a writing and filmmaking standpoint. The filmmaking, though, is not like a problem here. This isn't because I'm, I'm not somebody well versed enough to just be like, I didn't like this. But there were some choices that Michael B. Jordan, I think, made in terms of and, and that I was like, well, I don't know. Like that just felt like you were trying to maybe I get it. You're trying to put your own signature on it. That's that's what a film, you know, and it's his first movie. And it's I can't imagine fucking directing a movie at all. Um, you know, directing a fucking YouTube sketch is annoying enough. But, um, you know, it was like good it was enjoyable like i enjoyed it but it's definitely like a clear step down from creed one and two um so yeah i i but jonathan majors like at the end of the movie i'm just he always has that he's very good at like his sad look but i'm like he it was like why i know he's jacked but why is michael b jordan just beating up this this developmentally disabled hercules <laughs> with sad face who kind of looks off in the distance a lot. I don't know. I just, I would, and, and, you know, there's a lot of things to be answered for this in this movie. Um, John, just for people who've seen it, um, uh, what was his name? Dame Anderson. Uh, he, he's going to be charged probably with various, like a criminal conspiracy accessory to assault, like felonious assault. Um, he should be disqualified from various boxing matches considering how dirty he fights. Um, very fit though. Very fit. Him and Michael B. Jordan, they, they, they are eating their Wheaties. They are snorting their protein powder. They are injecting serums. They are, they are super jacked in this movie. Um, and I, be, and I, I gotta say, it, it's sad. I was never that, that jacked, but also at my most jacked, I at least would be able to hold my own because I'm six seven. I'm not six one, but I would be. I would look. I would look like I could be a contender in the in the Creed movies when I was at my peak. But 
you know, stands 6'7", 245, like sure, not as ripped, but better reach and, and uh, you know, strong trunk, strong legs um, to help me last the distance against these top-heavy uh, steroided fitness models. But, uh, like, I'd be, the, I'd be the midpoint of Tyson Fury and Adonis Creed, <laughs> racially and physically. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, they're, they're, they're juiced up. But I just felt myself, because I'm in this, like, sad state where I have, as I've said on the Patreon bonus, I, I referred to my pecs as orangutan titties since I can't work out and the shoulder surgery. Um, my pecs are always sort of a tough, I got to maintain to have good pecs. It's, it's, my back was always, my back and legs were always, like, sort of more consistently strong. Um, but my pecs I had to work at. And, and as I'm sitting there eating peanut M&M's, with a paunch just watching these two guys realizing I'm 43 and I may never recover to be the, the man I once was physically. I just felt myself feeling like, like, like weak for the first time, not weak because somebody was stronger or more fit, but weak because it was like, but I may never get back there. Huh? Thanks Michael B. Jordan and, and, and uh, Jonathan majors for, for making me feel less than. So I'm canceling Creed three for making me feel less than, um, whereas like, I remember in my twenties and even my early and mid thirties, you had, the, I had this feeling of like, Oh, I can get there. Like if I saw a Jack dude on screen, I'm like, damn, that dude's that, but I can, I can do that. And obviously there were limits to that. I was never going to be fucking Arnold Schwarzenegger or even Chris Hemsworth and Thor. But like you you see people and you're like, Oh yeah, like I can beat the fuck out of Russell Crowe and gladiator. I don't care if you say he's fit, he's fit for Russell Crowe. He's not fit for JL Covan. Okay. But, um, yeah, I just felt, I felt like a piece of shit for the first time watching fit people. Because it wasn't the matter of, oh, he's more fit than me. I've seen that plenty of times. It was the feeling of, and I'll never be able to get even close to that fit. Maybe ever again, because my shoulder's dead. My comedy career is on life support. I feel horrible. And I have to do a book review for 13 people on my Patreon, even though it's my favorite thing to do on the Patreon. Um, so, yeah, come to see a show, guys. But uh, I recommend Err. Um, I recommend Creed 1 and 2 more than I recommend Creed 3. But uh, it's, a, it's a decent time at the movies. For sure. But I, th I do think it pales in comparison to Creed 1 and 2. And stop beating up that special needs um, bodybuilder, Adonis Creed. That's not cool. Um, okay, so that's it for this episode. I think I've offended special needs people, Jonathan Majors fans, Creed 3 fans, uh, the entire country of India, and uh, people who don't like uh, sports gambling. So I think that's a job well done. I hope you enjoy this episode. Please give it five stars on Apple Podcasts if you haven't. We finally got to 200 ratings. Congratulations, guys. It only took me multiple years of asking to get to where I was in 2017 on the original installment of the Righteous Prick Podcast. So thank you. We're finally back to 2017 levels like everything in my career. So see you at a show. See you at the movies. See you in hell. And I will see you next Tuesday.